good to be with you. You get to look at my messy desk this morning. So many different things going on. And uh, so my desk is not tidy, but that's all right uh, because there is lots of ministry happening and uh, <clears throat> and you are a part of that. You were the first part of the morning uh, together, us together with Jesus, looking at his word, growing together uh, as followers of Jesus the Daily Discipleship Podcast. Glad that you're here. Uh, if you're listening a little bit later, I, I want you to know that I interact with a live crowd at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. And uh, sometimes there are questions, sometimes there are comments. So if you are listening in at some other part of the day or some other day of the week uh, and wonder what I'm talking about, sometimes it's that I am interacting with the people who are part of the live discipleship uh, 
that takes place Monday through Friday. But you know what? It doesn't have to be live. Uh, it can be re- pre-recorded, and as it is today, and you get to be a part of that and hopefully grow as we look together at God's Word uh, to grow as followers of Christ. We are looking at, uh, we were in the book of Mark yesterday, uh, and we are following along through the harmony of the Gospels, this book right here, uh, Thomas and Gundry, uh, as it helps us to uh, understand kind of chronologically as things are happening in life of Christ. And some of you that may wonder about a, a harmony, what does it do? It takes the it takes the Gospels and places them alongside of each other, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic Gospels, and then also John. Uh, you say, what does synoptic mean? It means that they're, they're comparing much of the same things in what they have written, and John kind of goes a little bit different direction. Still focusing on the life of Christ, but picking up some different uh, aspects or perspectives of things that were happening in Jesus' ministry. Yesterday, we talked about the lack of faith that uh, Jesus experienced at Nazareth in Mark chapter 6, and we talked about our own faith and will we trust in God. Uh, Another aspect that I really didn't bring out yesterday in in Mark chapter 6 is the fact that we too will be rejected. That is other teaching that Jesus will give along the way, but as we seek to share Christ with other people, as we as we seek to bring um, the biblical standard to bear at times, we are going to be rejected by people. Now, we don't have to be necessarily obnoxious about it, and, and you know, I, I've watched some Christians that they want to be the Holy Spirit, the convicting Holy Spirit to everybody there around and point this out and point that out, and, and rather, it, it can sometimes be rather quite ugly to watch and uh, I remember a, a situation where it was a family gathering uh, or family, uh, 4th of July, several people, family, friends uh, gathered around at this particular location. And this one Christian lady was just going around pointing to everybody, you know, and it was a mixed crowd of people, probably, I don't know, 50, 60 people around. You shouldn't be smoking or you shouldn't drink that beer or you shouldn't, you know, and and rather than the winsomeness of Christ, it was just poking her finger in everybody's chest and and really, really quite the turnoff uh, in many, many ways. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit will convict people of sin. We need to point people to Jesus uh, and their need of Jesus because of their sin. So, um, but we will be rejected uh, as we live for Christ, as we hold up the Christian standard, as we hold on to the word of God, uh, as we attend our churches uh, as we worship Jesus, as we speak of uh, our our faith in him and our trust in him and our prayers to him, people will reject us. So the fact that he was rejected uh, among his own, we shouldn't be surprised if we end up being rejected as a result of our faith as well. And I believe that will that will become more and more and more the case as we uh, go uh as we continue on uh, historically, uh, in fact, the scriptures teach, and we, we looked at this uh, before not, not that long ago, 
Uh, the days will come when the, when the love of many will grow cold. And uh, we looked at that just this past uh, Sunday, actually, in our church service, looking at First Timothy chapter 4 here at Veracity Chapel. And we want to make sure that our hearts don't grow cold. We want to make sure that our hearts don't grow hard. So we're going to, we're going to pick up uh, over here in Mark chapter 6, and we're going to jump over to, uh, in fact, before we pick up here, uh, I'm going to take us into Matthew. Let me take us into Matthew chapter 9, because I want us to see Jesus' response. I mean, again, synoptic gospels, you can compare Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Some things might be placed a little bit different. Uh, synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, as uh, you, you place these things side by side, um, Jesus has healed a, a paralytic. He has called Matthew to him. He's questioned about all kinds of things. He restores uh, a girl to life, heals a woman, heals a couple of blind men down in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Uh, and then he heals also a, uh, a demon-possessed man who is unable to speak. But then we pick up in verse 35. We have seen Jesus healing people, interacting people, but now we read these words. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, to me, this this is a key verse for us uh, here in the Christian life to understand um, how it can be that that Jesus had this compassion upon the crowd. Sometimes we look at the crowds and we kind of sneer at the crowds and and we kind of uh, you know can mock culture and whatnot. But Jesus' response to to the people was one of compassion uh, initially. Now, this isn't to say that. And we've read this already. He is not to say he doesn't confront things. He certainly does. But his confrontation always stemmed out of uh, compassion. His confrontations, uh, he he would hope, would turn people from the error of their ways uh, into a more appropriate way. And and we read here when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And and for us to ask ourselves the question, I mean, what what type of what type of response do we have to people uh, in in their lives uh, as they're going through difficulties? Sometimes the people who want to act like they've got it all together and, and uh, carry themselves with such an air, uh, sometimes it's harder to be compassionate. But when we're around people who are uh, downcast, around people who are maybe depressed or disillusioned, um, people who are having a hard time in life, says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion, that, that we would demonstrate the compassion that Christ demonstrates. Uh, I had my first, <clears throat> and, and I have to go see if I can find this uh, this person's phone number, my first encounter the other night with somebody saying, look, we're, we're homeless, we, we sleep in our car, we live in our car, is there any way you could get us into the hotel here? And, uh, uh, you know, I, I wasn't in a spot where I could do that in that moment, but we will have those circumstances in those situations, and I understand how often we will um, 
maybe turn our, our, our noses to, to people and circumstances like that. But yeah, what would Jesus do? What, what would be the compassion that Jesus might demonstrate in a circumstance like that? Uh, to have compassion. When he saw the crowds, says he had compassion on them. And then you notice the next part, because they were harassed and helpless. Now, uh, many in, in that day were being harassed, perhaps politically. Uh, they were maybe being harassed by the Roman soldiers or being harassed by the religious elite, religious leaders, the political elite, uh, harassed in, in, in many different ways. They were helpless, many of them. They, they couldn't couldn't find the answer. There wasn't the aid. They were in difficult situations. And But then the last part of, of verse 36 says, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, friends, to me, this is a passage that, uh, that I look at on a regular basis, think about on a regular basis, think about how Jesus saw the people, think about how uh, there were, uh, they were like people without a shepherd. People need a shepherd. Uh, they need a gentle shepherd. They need a shepherd to help them find their way. Uh, and so Jesus responds to them as a shepherd in compassion. And so the question for us is, how do we respond to people when we see these needs in people's lives? We have, we have needs sometimes expressed in our live listening audience that, that uh, are sharing prayer concerns and burdens and heavy things, and you know that we would respond in compassion to people's needs. But not only the people that are here, but people that we come across in all kinds of varieties of walks of life. Now, he picks up here after he has demonstrated compassion. He's demonstrated compassion through through healing people. He's demonstrated compassion by dealing with the demon possessed. Uh, he he deals with those who have experienced the heart, the heart-wrenching loss of a child. Uh, all of these things we see the compassion of Jesus. And we we take up that mantle. We are called to to be like him. We are called to be imitators of Christ and that people would experience uh, Christ in us, Christ through us, that that would be their experience uh, because we are called to, to mimic him, to not mimic in a negative way, but mimic in a way in which we are allowing his character and his priorities to be pressed upon our lives so that his character and priorities become our character and priorities. Verse 37 says this, He said to the disciples that a harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So he is demonstrating compassion, and then he turns to them and says, Look, look, look all around you. He turns to the disciples and says, look all around you. Look at all the people. Look at look at the circumstances. Look at the situations. Look at the need. The, the harvest is plentiful. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And, and if he views what is out around us as a harvest field, how ought we to view the world that surrounds us as well? The harvest field. Uh, people who need Christ, people whose hearts perhaps are primed and ready, and all they need is someone to tell them about Jesus, uh, someone to ask them, "Do you know? Do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus? 
What do you think of God? What do you believe about God? Do you know that God wants to work in your life? Do you know that God loves you? Uh, so much so that he sent his son to be your savior if you will but trust in him, that the harvest field is plentiful and that perhaps more people's hearts are primed and ready than we might think, but we just need but to open our mouths. Well, it is Friday morning here, friends, and if you're listening in uh, on this date, Friday morning, the 28th day of uh, October, I want to encourage you just to say hi in the comments. We do like to create a sense of community, and I will tell you that those who participate with us on a regular basis, Monday through Friday, uh, and who interact a little bit, who say uh, say hello to each other, have a sense of community together. They would all tell you that. In fact, maybe they would even put in the comments how they have experienced community as a result of uh, this uh, daily discipleship podcast broadcast that we do. And I would encourage you, if you're listening out there uh, somewhere in the peanut gallery, that you might say hello as well or good morning as well. Uh, and just interact a little bit with with other folks that are here listening live this morning as well. It does help create a sense of community. Um, yeah, and uh, Priscilla saying we are family, and, and I I can I'm not going to break out into a song, but I'm tempted to. We are family. I'll stop right there, and. Uh, but we are. We are family. And everybody that's a follower of Jesus, whether you're part of Veracity Chapel or uh, some other church, doesn't matter what church it might be, Christ the King Church, it might be uh, Fayette Baptist Church, it might be uh, Cross Point Church, it might be Calvary Chapel. Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is your Savior, we are family. Now, from, from here, the compassionate response of Jesus and then the, the prayer request that Jesus gave here in Mark chapter, uh, Mark, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 9, the prayer request is pray the Lord of the harvest or ask the Lord of the harvest. This is a prayer request. Uh, ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray. You pray. Pray, the, pray for what God will do. Pray for God's work and see what God will do. And uh, so I, I, that's what we do. We start praying. And then we're going to turn the chapter here. Uh, Mark chapter 6 would pick up on this as well as here in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, but what's going to happen? We're going to see what happens. Jesus asked them to pray to the Lord of the harvest, and he himself is the Lord of the harvest. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers. And it's kind of like saying, ask the Lord of the harvest and see if he might not send out you. So that is uh, that is the prayer request, praying for the harvest. And we need to pray for the harvest, uh, the harvest that's all around us, the harvest that that is uh, that exists um, here in Maine and other places. We have listeners in Pennsylvania, listeners in Rhode Island, listeners in Virginia. Some mornings we have listeners in uh, Kenya, uh, sometimes listeners in other parts of uh, of the world, uh, South Sudan, uh, Philippines, um, 
wherever the, the harvest is around you and uh, you and I are invited to pray to the Lord of the harvest, but then to participate in that harvest together with the Lord. Don says this, uh, Don helps us uh, facilitate what we do here, um, handles uh, the, the, the welcomes uh, once I go live uh, on camera, talking, moving my jaw. Uh, Don picks up and says good morning and does some research for us and sometimes does uh, deals with some issues, especially over on the YouTube side as we sometimes get some very interesting comments over there. Uh, he says, I've been here since November 11th, 2020. I've grown a lot being a part of this family. I love being able to take over the greetings for PJ, welcoming everyone to the broadcast, and we love you too. Uh, you too, Don, we do. And Jessica's saying, I got all my brothers and sisters with me right here in the family. Uh, we are, we are brothers and sisters together. Well, let's get back into the text here and see what else we, we read about. Matthew chapter 10, kind of the next thing. He says, okay, you guys pray. Then he goes, tag, you're it. I mean, that that is uh, basically what happens. You guys see the need. You see the harvest. You see the people. And, and I want you to take a step. So he called his 12 disciples to him, gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. The names of the 12 apostles, first Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, those are the ones, the, the initial 12, the apostles. Notice they had the authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And and, and the question that, that comes to us in our day is, I mean, is this something that, that is for every believer or for just the 12? And I, I we talked about this before. I think that there are aspects of this where, where all of us have some measure of uh, uh ability that is given to us uh, in in this circumstance in this situation um in terms of of driving out uh, evil spirits some maybe god will tap to heal disease and sickness i have prayed for people uh at times anointed people and prayed for them and at times they have gotten well and other times they have not uh because god has a different plan all i know is that i'm called to anoint people and pray for people. Uh, James chapter 5, call upon the elders of the church to anoint with oil and pray over you. So we do that. We we exercise the protocol that Jesus has given us, and we seek to trust in him. Uh, but I do not feel uniquely gifted uh, as a healer at all. I would not say I have that gift and some of you that are listening are, are saying, so do you believe in all the gifts for today? And I, I don't want to get into that aspect of things necessarily. We've done that before. There are three basic views. There's a cessationist view that says that those gifts were for only in those days until the establishment of the uh, of the scriptures or the establishment of the church, perhaps, in uh, the first century. 
Uh, others would say, yeah, I mean, th- those gifts, God still dispenses those, all the gifts today. Uh, and then there's a, a kind of a moderate view, an open but cautious, that God might distribute all the gifts today. Uh, and uh, uh, perhaps, but we can see an overuse and abuse of those gifts. And, and there's that open but cautious view. And there's a, a spectrum in between there. And but I land in the open but cautious uh, category uh, in terms of how I understand or how I see things played out, how I understand and see things in the scriptures. Uh, the open but cautious is a, I think God can still dispense all the gifts. I, I don't think personally that any of them have necessarily ceased. I'm not so sure that they are as necessary in our day, uh, and I I don't think the Lord dispenses them as uh, as radically as he did uh, as he was establishing the gospel and establishing the church in the first century. Uh, I do think that God certainly does heal diseases. I think that God certainly does heal sicknesses. We are to pray. We are to trust. We are to look to him. Uh, But I I don't think, I've never had the sense of having that gift, although there are times, and, and we saw testimony even this week of, of a person in our listening audience, a part of our our morning family, who was prayed for by our young associate uh, Caleb when Caleb was here, and how her knee was healed, uh, God answered that prayer. Uh, but I think Caleb would say, "I he doesn't have the gift of healing. It's just God was pleased in that instance, in that circumstance, to uh, to heal that individual." So. Getting back into the text, reading further uh, what what is recorded for us here. I need to take a little sip of coffee here. Grab your coffee. Let's let's fellowship together here uh, for just a moment uh, with a little sip of coffee or tea, water, orange juice, whatever your beverage of choice might be. Mm. Good, 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 good. Matthew chapter 10, we see Jesus, he appoints the 12, he sends out the 12 in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 and following. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or in any town of the Samaritans. The gospel was not yet to go to everybody. The gospel was still intended first to go to the uh, Israelites. And so he says in verse 6, rather, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, there's the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Um, so we're, we're challenged, we're encouraged to preach the message of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is near. It says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you receive, freely you give. Now, again, I do tend to land in the camp that that some of these things were specific for the original apostles, the way that they could heal the sick basically at will, uh, that they would raise the dead, and some of them did do that, that they would cleanse those who have leprosy. In fact, Peter and Paul both were used by the Lord to raise the dead. They would be used to cleanse those who are lepers and to drive out demons. 
And here, here is a, a point of application for us. You might say, well, I, I don't know that I can do any of those things. I, again, I, I think that God did those things in a unique fashion in the first century. However, verse 8 concludes this way, freely you've received, freely give. That's something any of us can do. That's something that all of us can do, that what we have received freely from Christ we can give on behalf of Christ. We can do the same thing. We can, um, we, we can uh, take take what He's given us in forgiveness and help other people understand the wonderful nature of the forgiveness that Christ offers to us. What else can we do? Uh, the love of God has been given to us freely. We can give the love of God freely to other people. I uh, perhaps I mean there, there's freely. Uh, you've been given the gospel, so we freely give the gospel to other people. I'm thinking of all kinds of choruses, freely, freely, you have received. That was awful. That was bad. Freely, freely give. Go and I can't remember the words now. Go and believe, and because you receive, others will know that I live or something. I, I But... The chorus is in my mind anyway, freely, freely, and do we freely, freely? Do we freely, freely give? Do we freely, freely love? Do we freely, freely communicate the gospel? You know, uh, that when we learn to be open-handed, generous with our words, generous with our compassion, generous with our service, generous with our, our giving, God can fill our hands back up again and to trust him to do that. Freely, freely you've received, freely, freely give. That's what we would do. Then he goes on and says these words, do not take uh, any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for your journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. In other words, as you go out and, and serve me, uh, you are to be taken care of in what you do. As you communicate the gospel, now this this is something, and this is something that Pastor Jacob could could perhaps speak to. Um, we do things a little bit differently here uh, than than maybe uh, what Jacob has done, and there are others who who take this approach that uh, they're living totally on faith. Some perhaps are called to live totally on faith, uh, and prior to becoming uh, our associate pastor here. I mean that Jacob and Courtney uh, largely lived on faith and the provisions of God's people, and um, that that we would be in the same place. Now, I am part of what I do uh, is uh, to make others aware of funding needs, uh, ministry opportunities, partnership opportunities with ministries like Veracity Chapel, like New England Bible College, uh, and. Uh, and other places as well uh, to make places aware of, of, of the need. Uh, and, you know, I'm wrestling with, okay, just just how does, what does this mean to me at this season in my life to take along no gold or silver or copper in your belts, take no bag for the journey, extra tunic, sandals or staff, the wor- worker is worthy of his keep. My friend Terry Smith, uh, for a number of years, uh, did itinerant ministry and was trusting the Lord to take care of, of himself and his wife. And the Lord has done that in, in 
just absolutely beautiful fashion. And some at times are called to do exactly what Jesus told the disciples in this passage where he says, take along no gold or silver. In other words, there isn't a payment plan. There isn't there isn't a salary. There isn't uh, you're, you're, you're going along trusting God. And, you know, what do we some of us be called to this? And, and then, But then it says the worker is worth his keep. It isn't that there isn't pay. It isn't that there isn't financial support. There certainly is financial support. And as you, you look at Jesus, you look at the Apostle Paul, too, in particular, that the support of God's people is what kept them going. And uh, Paul, for the numbers of years that he did ministry, uh, sometimes he he worked as a tent maker. Other times it was the support of God's people. But the verse says the, the, the worker is worth his keep. Picks up and says, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. I mean, we would ask the question, I'd ask the question, is, is your house a worthy house? Not, not worthy in the sense that it's painted and picked up and clean, but worthy in the sense that you, uh, your, your home would be open to the gospel, that you would invite uh, an itinerant evangelist to stay in your home. We had an older couple, George and Martha, that uh, when they sold their farm and retired, they, they, when they built their home, it was a modest home. It was a beautiful home, but a modest home. Uh, and they had a chamber they called the Prophet's Chambers. Uh, and they regularly had missionaries or guest speakers and whatnot who stayed with them. And Martha made a, a wonderful breakfast, probably a wonderful dinner. But uh, the Prophet, uh, that guest speaker, missionary, they always had a nice place to stay. And that was part of their gift. They, they wanted to be that worthy person. Uh, in in uh, missiological circles, mission circles, uh, they would call this the person of peace, the church planting circles. You go into a town or village, you look for somebody that's responsive to the gospel. You go there, you stay there. Perhaps the, that, that, that home, uh, it will invite other people to come and hear the gospel. Uh, and what Jesus says is this, verse 11, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. Deserving in what sense? Deserving in the sense that the, the home was open to the gospel. Uh, deserving in what sense that they're friendly to Christ. And, and, and maybe even deserving in the sense that responsive to Christ as well. And it says, if someone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave, uh, when you leave that home or town, I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. <clears throat> Verse 16, he talks about the persecution. We spoke about this earlier. Uh, I, we, we will pick back up and look at some more of that, if I remember, uh, on Monday. Uh, and, and talk a little bit more about that. But but the idea of looking for that home. Some of you may have homes that uh, uh, you are called to open your home to an evangelistic Bible study. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's something called the Alpha Course that, that you could uh, uh, offer in your home as an evangelistic Bible study. Um, some of you... Uh, maybe are called to be the ones who go. 
and, and, and do the ministry that you do. And so I just want to encourage you, want to challenge you, whether you're called to be the home, the person of peace, or whether you're called to be the sent one, that each of us would follow Christ and serve Christ uh, in whatever capacity he has called us. And that we would all be prayerful about the harvest. We would all be prayerful about the needs. We would all be prayerful uh, that people would be responsive to the gospel of Jesus Christ and place their faith and their trust in him. Well, friends, it's Friday morning. Uh, I've covered some sections of scripture here. We, you could go back over to Matthew chapter 6 and, and uh, not Matthew, to Mark chapter 6. We're in Matthew 10. You could go to Mark chapter 6 uh, and read some of the parallel narrative there as well. But we've been challenged today to be people of compassion, to to demonstrate Christ. Uh, some are called out and sent. Some are called to stay home and, and serve in that way. May whatever God is calling us to do, may we do it with all our hearts, with all our gusto, serving and trusting in him. Well, that's the end of the, end of the morning, end of the broadcast. I, I want to pray for you and ask the Lord to bless you in your day. Lord, it's my prayer that you'll help us each to serve you in whatever way you've called us to serve you. If it's to open our home to evangelistic Bible study or even, even a church-based Bible study with people from the church, that you would help us to open our homes. Uh, if you're calling us to be sent, you would call us to go out and to trust in you and uh, for your provision and for your resources, Lord. We look to you. We trust in you. We believe in you. Help us to be faithful in our service to you that we might glorify you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, have a great day. I'll see some of you over the weekend. Have a great weekend, everyone.